1: welcome to the press one for nick podcast my name is nick limsdahl my guest this week is tony amante shepherds he is the director of operations and customer experience success at curbside kitchen tony welcome to the press one for nick podcast
0: nick thanks for the invite you are
1: welcome uh so one question i ask every single guest is what's one thing people might not know about you
0: I knew you were going to ask this because I've watched a few of your recordings, and I wanted it to be completely unrelated to my professional career. And so I thought of things people may not have known. Uh, I ran with the bulls in Spain, but people know that. Uh, Some people know that I ran with the bulls in Spain. They wrote an article about me in CNN, and I actually wrote CNN saying, no, 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 you got the story wrong. I actually ran into the corral by accident, so please adjust that so I look more stupid. Um, But people know that story. So I was thinking what to tell, and it was when I was a kid, eight, nine, 10 years old, I'd go to the babysitter down the street. Uh, both my parents worked. And for some reason in, in, in Michigan, uh, crazy weather would occur in the summertime, as you know, in Ohio. And I thought at age eight or nine, along with my friends, that we could control the weather. So I'm on top of a little hill in my babysitter's uh, front yard. And as the wind comes, we're moving our hands and uh, and you see the rain clouds coming from a distance and then the rain's coming. So In a world where you really think you have no control at a very young age for a hot five minutes, (laughs) we thought we were, we were in charge of the weather. And I don't think anyone knows that.
1: (laughs) That I, I, unless there's somebody that was in your uh, babysitting school uh, (laughs) class that you're like, yes, I remember controlling the weather and he or she are probably also listening to the press one for night podcast
0: yeah, but she would never admit it, I'm sure.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I, I remember as a kid, you would you'd put your fingers up and you can almost uh, squeeze the the plane as you're driving by and you can almost <laughs> carry it. Uh, but uh, that's that's not a, an aviation podcast. This is talking about customer experience, Tony. Right. So speaking of customer experience, let's talk about it at the very beginning. How do you define success in customer experience?
0: Uh defining success and customer experience for me, um, it's the little wins. You can't do a waterfall approach and keep it bottled up and go from department to department and six months to a year later say, all right, let's release uh you know our future state. It has to be those little wins. Find those band-aids you can put over a problem you see if you're recently hired at a company and say we'll come back to it and and find a a long-term fix. But go after those little wins, and those little wins to me when a customer says, thank you, when a customer says, I'm going to talk about you in the positive, when the employees you work with say, I like this, this is working, I'm feeling appreciated, those little wins, that to me is is pure customer success.
1: Yeah, Uh, well said. Uh, We've talked now a handful of times, and every time I feel like we have these conversations about customer experience and customer experience leaders and you know, we, we always go back to there's, there's so many leaders in customer experience that have kind of started in this new CX role and quiet or quickly they hit this wall and they aren't moving the needle fast enough. And leadership's like customer experience, customer experience, it just to appease the leadership. Right. So what guidance right. or advice would you have for these CX leaders who are kind of at that, that, that wall mark and they're about to hit it?
0: It doesn't even have to be to a CX leader. I would go, bottom up and say uh, coordinators to to entry-level managers to to presidents to vps to even the Mm -hmm. ceo him or herself when it comes to customer experience i've got steps that i take and i can go into more details with you during this call nick but to me i kind of bucketed into three steps at the the high level one is you got to earn trust internally if you can't work with your coworkers, you will get nothing done so earn that trust as quickly and 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 thoughtfully as you can. Secondly, numbers don't lie and statistics are nearly everything. Uh, Really dive into the numbers. When I was younger, I would kind of avoid the numbers. My father said I'm more of a a music guy than the numbers guy. And so I I went into that bucket, but that's not true um, for me anymore. And you can't be that way. So really know the numbers. And then third, uh, after you've done some of those quick fixes, really understand what that future state should look like and iterate, iterate, iterate. There's no stopping what you need to do to get that future state as perfect as possible. So understand who you're working with. Make sure you're in that trust, know the numbers, and constantly iterate on what that future state should be.
1: I love it. So the first thing you mentioned, obviously, was trust. Uh, why is it so important to be that that first thing, to earn trust first?
0: If you don't, you are up a creek without a paddle. Um, it's It's never... The, uh, you know, the Nick show or the Tony show or the Susie show, it's, it's a team show. I really enjoy startups and growth stage companies. And that tends to lean towards or attract um, you know, very you know, entrepreneurial spirits, but mm-hmm. very few people. You don't and you shouldn't hire 100 people on the outset of starting a business. So when you have mm-hmm. so few people, you really need to earn those trusts of those individuals uh, at a larger scale and an established company, your Fortune 500 or, or, or similar, there are established guardrails. There are uh, established departments. And that will take time to chip away at what they think is working, but really isn't. So earning the trust first and foremost in a small company needs to happen because people talk very, very quickly. Uh, and in a larger company, you need to earn that trust because there's so many hoops you have to jump through just to move that needle uh, an inch
1: yeah I, I would say there's as you continue to grow in the different size organizations all the way up to the fortune 100s fortune 50s you have to play these internal games and relationships yes. that are built and relationships are built on trust regardless if they're a, a peer or somebody in a completely different apart, uh, department right. if you're trying to drive that business forward or that experience forward you have to get their buy-in, help maybe understand their why and what they're solving for, what they're measured on, and then right. kind of go reverse engineer back to what that current situation was and how to drive that experience. And if you can't align and keep those guys happy and have that consistent communication, then there's that that erosion, and erosion isn't good for for any bridge.
0: I totally agree, and I I have a little example that can help anybody. Uh, earn that trust faster than what they, they may think is possible. Um, my friends call me out when I ask what they say are Tony questions. I think you and I chatted about this when we first yeah. met. Tony questions can range from anything out of the blue of if you were in a, uh, how, how long could you survive in a lighthouse? if you had to guard it and you only had internet and food brought to you once a month? You know, that's like an ob- obscure question, but it kind of talks about your you know, level of sanity and ability to be alone and how much you like the ocean to um, uh, more, more professionally, I, I oftentimes ask at the beginning, um, what is it that you wish would be fixed about what you do every day that you haven't been able to fix? not because you haven't had the capability it's not about you it's about the company so when you take the pressure off the person and, and kind of in a way if you want to say blame the company you know the big building that 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 moves and so forth you know what you what would you like changed if you could and these sort of esoteric questions really break down the the barrier and show the human side of me as a as a cx leader as a as an operations person and engages the person i'm speaking with so that they they put the guard down and and that trust is built immediately so think of tony questions or if your name is johnny think of johnny questions and just kind of have them be a slightly obscure and 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 fun all
1: right from now on i'm just going to call them tony questions and people are not even <laughs> going to know who you are and they're like i'm just like no don't worry about it they're Tony
0: questions <laughs> i my first book written will be the tony question <laughs> <laughs>
1: A lot. I love it. So, uh, in in the organizations or in businesses, there's always different types of stages. Specifically in the startup, right? It's the it's the launch, it's the grow, it's the expand, and then mature, and then hopefully not decline. Um, so, how does CX play a role in that? Is there a, a better way to to improve that? Like, is there can they play a role in each step? And maybe do you guys have any examples from what you guys have gone through at Curbside Kitchen. Um, so, you're
0: asking in the in the launch, growth, expansion, maturity stages of a business, where does yeah. CX play. I mean, yeah. it plays in every part. Um, the company I'm with now, a Cribside Kitchen, I've been with them almost a year. Uh, it came out of uh, a, a nice bottle of wine between the husband and wife team and a desire to uh, harness this wild, wild west of food trucks. How can I order on an app? Uh from a food truck. All these food trucks are so disconnected from each other, from the events they go to, all these one-offs, you know, and so they, they, it, that grew out of a desire to solve that dilemma. How do you make that customer experience from ordering from a food truck faster and more enjoyable? And, and, you know, with a slight paper trail as well, you, you want to see what you get. Um, that's at the launch stage. Today, I'd say we're between launch and growth, um, you know, hiring more people, really getting our, our tech in order. We're not looking at, customer experience solely through the foodies lens, which would be you as a customer ordering on the app, but also through the food trucks lens. Um, COVID has, has has destroyed so many food trucks out there and the ones that are alive today are, are surviving. They're not thriving yet. So offering them opportunities through their lens, how can we get them to a, an event faster, more seamlessly? How do we get them paid out more quickly? Uh, guaranteed minimums. If you go to an event and two people show up, they want a guaranteed amount of money because they're making food. That's a customer success through the lens of the food truck. And then the third uh, vertical that we have are the uh, commercial real estate uh, buildings, the tenants, the landlords, the universities, um, the departments at hospitals. You know, When we enter an expansion stage or even like pure maturity stage down the road as a business, we absolutely need to always be thinking about that client. Are they wanting a monthly subscription? Are they wanting a one-off sort of big event uh, with a lot of food trucks? Looking at it through their lens is important as well. So I guess the point is no matter what stage you are in a business, um, looking at what you're making through as many customers' lenses as possible is is very healthy, but to know who your customers are is also very important.
1: Yeah, I, I love that. The one thing I want to ask is you know when it comes to the the food truck owners Mm -hmm. uh they're trying to always do more with less because they're usually the one man band or the one woman band or maybe it's a couple or whoever it is so how at curbside kitchen are you guys alleviating that pain and reducing effort uh to add more value to the people who are actually serving the food
0: yeah, reducing friction. I mean, uh, I've learned quite a bit over the year being here. I thought it would be quite simple. You know, food trucks, they want events. We take our percentage, we send them to an event, everybody wins. And that's not quite the case. Um, as we continue to emerge out of COVID and getting into winter now, our pitch to the food trucks has turned into We have guaranteed events for you. You can plan out months in advance. We have guaranteed minimums so you know you're not walking away cashless. Uh, We have the ability for people on our app, the foodies, the customers to order 48 hours in advance so that you as the food truck owner can plan accordingly going to Costco, going to the local grocery store, getting the amount of food you need to to Sam's Club or whatever, they can plan accordingly. They don't have to be shouting a person's name or or selling their wares because we also do that marketing. And we've we've, we've changed our marketing as well. We're putting more expectation and onus on the property that partners with us. They initially were expecting us to do all the marketing. And while I would say we're somewhat of a marketing company to an extent, it's the building that requested the food trucks that need to do that marketing. So we help them create flyers and we suggest social media uh, Instagram, of course, um, LinkedIn, even as well, to really engage their clients, their tenants, their their customers. The, the food truck needs help. Um, I talked to many, many, many of them. Food prices are are increasing, as we all know. Um, they don't want to walk away uh, with less in their pocket than what they than what they came with. So, guaranteeing minimums, guaranteeing events as far on the future as possible. Um, and making sure that they can see orders coming in up to two days in advance has really been um, quite telling in this industry and very helpful. In a competitive market, does your customer service stand out from the crowd? One way to offer a better experience is by moving your contact center to the cloud. But with so many options to choose from, how do you know which solution is the best for both your business and your customers? That's where VDS comes in and guides you to the best solution. They understand your clients' pain points, business outcomes, and goals. Then VDS designs, implements, supports, and provides 24-7 managed services. From start to finish, VDS is committed to finding the best solutions for your clients' needs. To learn more, go to www.govds.com or find a link in the show notes.
1: That's cool. Yeah, I'm always trying to figure out, like, Put myself in the consumer's perspective like the one who's who's um, receiving the service what does that look mm-hmm. like and and what do they truly value versus what does the the organization think that they value and sometimes it's there's a there's a gap between those two um, right. and I, I think even with customer experience like it's customer experience is great but you know how do you drive and I guess that's the question for you is how do you drive, uh, initiative forward to meet the business objective, because it's not just about CX. I've talked about, I always talk about the pixie dust and fairy tales of customer experience. It's not always just about that. It's about yeah. meeting the business objectives and driving the business forward.
0: I would go back to the three um, themes of earning trust internally, knowing the numbers and constantly iterating, but to dive deeper, to know if your customer experience endeavors are successful, successful or not, um, one really needs to think through what it is the customer is receiving from you, the company. Here's an example. Um, I walked in the shoes of the foodie, the person that's receiving our text messages, that's ordering on the app and going up to the food truck, and I said, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sign up, and I'm going to say I'm going to go to an event. I'm going to see how many text messages I get as a person that's downloaded the curbside kitchen app. And it was a lot. I think we were sending out anywhere between four and six text messages up to the Mm. point of them actually getting their food two days before, Hey, a food truck's coming. Um, a day before, a day and a half before, Hey, you can order, uh, the day of, Hey, the food trucks here, order. If you haven't, um, when the food truck checks in, Hey, the food trucks here, uh, hey, the food truck's about to leave. Like it's way too many, way yeah. too many, way too many. My wife texts me less than that. I mean, let's—I don't want so many texts from a a bot. So right now we're we're changing that and and making it much more um, user focused, making it so that they receive a notification two days prior. Order now. Here's a link. We didn't have a link before. Uh, to hey, the food trucks here. Um, order or show up because they leave by two. So back to my three themes. I'm getting that pushed through relatively easily because I've earned the trust of the people on my team, the owners of the company. I know that needs to happen because I've looked at the numbers and saw that too many text messages are going out and our foodies are not liking it. And then iterating upon it. We over-indexed, we were sending too many messages out on purpose to see if that would be helpful. And we iterate on it, we're iterating on that and, and doing less. So again, earn trust of the people you work with know the numbers constantly change
1: yeah I love it so there was this uh, famous guy mr. Mike Tyson uh, <laughs> he said that everybody has a plan until you get punched in the face and he says it with yep. a little bit different pitch uh, but I believe the same is true in customer experience right it's, it's what I mean by that is it it doesn't matter how perfect the plan is someone is going to complain about something or oh, maybe yeah. you don't hit the expectations that you that, that, uh, that you want or that they want. Uh, that they right. expect and so what happens when things don't go as planned because specifically in startups uh when they don't go as planned you have a little bit more visibility to them yeah <laughs> is there a question there we always <laughs> yeah yeah what what happens when things don't yeah. go as planned
0: things don't go as planned that's what happens um, <laughs> uh, here here's a case in point there are fewer few trucks out there than ever before and uh my boss the ceo says you know we're sick and tired of okay food trucks. We have a, a growing competitor out there that is backed by, by private investors. And mm-hmm. honestly, they're taking some of our trucks. What they're doing is um, taking any truck that will come their way, however. That has been a punch to our stomach. And we have fewer trucks. We, we don't have those trucks been vending for us currently that are with the competitor. Honestly, that's okay. Why? Because, there's going to be a tipping point where the competitor is not charging the fees we charge, and thus not providing the service they charge. They're not providing the service that they sh- that they should be providing because they're not charging enough. We charge a little bit more, but guess what? We have Zendesk. If you need a, if you have a problem, you can text us, you can call us, email us. Somebody's going to respond to you within seven minutes, guaranteed. We have somebody working with us full time uh, off hours in the Middle East, as well as somebody working full time here in the states. Secondly, when we got punched in the face with that, with that, um, uh, sort of grab of our trucks within a couple of weeks, a client we wanted to have, but didn't because the competitor got it, um, is communicating with us and saying, you know what, you know, this, this, this a support service that you thought would be, there isn't. And, and, you know, it might just be worth working with you guys. So, so let's talk. I take a punch in the face every day and I get right back up because you know, it doesn't kill you makes you stronger, but also. I'm in it for the long haul um, with any startup, and it's very exciting to to get punched but then get back up again and again and again.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, I think I think that's so interesting. I'm not a masochist, though. I, so I want to be clear about that. <laughs> I don't I don't prefer it, but it happens. <laughs> you
1: just... uh, it, it sounds like Fight Club uh, at uh, <laughs> Curbside Kitchen. You're just. Uh... <laughs> No, uh, but you know the one thing that I wanted to say is there's a there's a guy I just interviewed, us, Steve Cadigan. He he wrote a book. He was a uh, first um, uh, chief human resource officer at LinkedIn, and he just recently wrote a book called Work Quake. And he's like, I think it's so important. So people uh, organizations hold on to to people because they want to keep them forever because of you know they. But they, he's like, you should encourage them and and be their cheerleader regardless if they stay with your organization or not. Because uh, the more information you can give them, the more you can communicate, the more you give them the opportunity to succeed and the more value you're going to bring to them. Even if they leave, sometimes the grass is always greener right. and they, and, and the whole boomerang approach and they come back and they realize, man, this is awesome. And then they're going to tell their friends. And I think right. the same is true, just at your story with the food trucks. Yeah. They might go back and they say, Hey, you know what? I really appreciate that high touch, the service, the, the support that they give the guarantees, the SLAs, and uh, I want to come right. back. But by the way, I know these five other food trucks. So right. I fully believe if you're going to bring the service and you're going to bring the experience along with it and you back it up by the things that you're going to do, um, you will be successful in the industry in.
0: Another example to your point, uh, essentially say not burning bridges, which I 100% respect and agree with. I worked at Oyo Hotels, biggest Indian hotel chain, Um, uh, in Asia over there. And they came to the States uh, about a year before COVID came. And I was hired as director of customer success and operations for the Mid-Atlantic. Had numerous dozens of people reporting to me who then managed the relationships with the hotels as they got onboarded. There were some hotels out there that were dilapidated and needed remodeling, refurbishing. And we would give them money to do that. And one gentleman uh, in particular in the uh, Virginia market, had a lot of hotels and he signed up with us, got a lot of money and concerned he wasn't spending the money uh, effectively. So what I did was I posted uh, one of the managers who reported to me at his properties that were in a driving distance and she would just go and ping pong every day to all of them. And it wasn't to have a watchful eye, but a helpful hand And she knew the hotels in the hotel industry like like anyone um, and suggested ways where he could spend his money more effectively in remodeling. It ended up being the four hotels that this gentleman owned ended up being our shining star. And uh, in terms of um, average uh, uh, daily revenue and average daily rate that tended to, to be higher than other hotels that we had. And because of that, because he did so well with us, he gave us referrals of three, four, seven, eight, ten more hotels. Yeah, I made that decision to post that that wonderful, wonderful manager there, and it paid dividends. So, just know where the extra handholding will be worth the investment, and 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 hopefully it will it will help you.
1: So it's a I like the story because it's some organ, some people want to just be self serviced. They Mm -hmm. just want to figure it out on their own. And then there's the completely opposite side of the spectrum. And they're like, I want to interact with the human and I want every step aligned so I can figure out making sure I don't screw up. And uh, back to the hotel story, I think some people are like, I already know what I need to fix. I've already talked to, uh, ranked them in order, prioritize them, have the budget and let's roll. And other people are like, this isn't my strength. Like, yep. I, I just need help. And some people don't necessarily even ask for it because they don't know where to ask or what, what, what questions to ask. And so you took Or they're initiative. too prideful.
0: They don't yeah. want to ask because they, they don't want to show, show some hubris. Yeah.
1: yeah, regardless of the level. I don't care if you're a billionaire right. or, or a hundredaire, uh, the pride tends to get in the way.
0: <laughs> I, I totally agree. And it um, reminds me of another example of working in the international education industry um, I have those unique set of chops of at a very young age running my own business for a while, sending college students in the States overseas on internships. And so I would partner with small businesses across Asia, Europe, and, and South America, offer them interns for the summer for a semester, come back, package those and offer those opportunities. Um, all-inclusive to students at universities. And there were a few students from a university I very badly wanted to partner with in California, because if I got in that bloodstream, it would be it would be gangbusters. And so I, I didn't overextend my team to make sure those couple students were having a good time, but I did those, I offered those unexpected, um, I don't want to call them gifts, but those unexpected moments. So I I remember asking them certain questions, you know, as simple as favorite color, or what, what are you most fearful of about going overseas? Um, and they were most fearful of like not having enough uh, space in a suitcase uh, upon leaving with gifts. And so uh, upon their arrival to, uh, to Europe, we actually had duffel bags with our, our brand on it ready for them so that they could, they could check that upon departure full of gifts that they bought. Little things like that, you know, it's, it's, it's easy, it's simple. I know our mutual friend Dan Gingis goes into great detail in his, in his recent book, um, The Experience Maker, and it's, just, it's really easy if you just think about it. And I'm hired often to help scale such opportunities, to help scale businesses. So it doesn't have to be these one off gifts or thinking moments. You, you can easily, easily scale such wow factors.
1: And, and it was something that they didn't ask for. Absolutely. But I think that's it's, the key is that, you know, I don't remember if it was in, uh, Dan, Dan, he'll, he'll yell at me, but uh, I don't know if it was in his book or someone uh, somewhere else that I read. Um, I'm gonna give the credit to, to Dan regardless, sure. but uh, with like the Ritz Carlton, if they know that you're gonna have it at an extended stay, they will find a picture of your family put it in a frame and put it next to your bed. And yeah. I was like, man, that is like that's a different level than <laughs> than just being like, oh, here's your name tag and here's a couple oranges, best of luck. Hope you have a great day. It's uh Have your- you
0: been to have you been to Marriott International's headquarters in Bethesda, Maryland, Nick? I have not, no. It's it's interesting. I was a management consultant there for for a year in in their digital department. They had an entire room and it is glass, you can see in it, and you can see out full, full of people, smarter than you and me, probably younger than you and me on social media 24 seven, you see all these screens up there and they're seeing what guests are saying on social media. And if somebody has a complaint or somebody has a wow thing, these individuals message the hotel, which is a franchise by the way, You know, Marriott headquarters owns very, very few hotels. These are individually owned mom and pop, you know, Marriott's. They message the front desk staff and say, Hey, so-and-so would like this heads up. It'd be great if you can make that wow moment possible. I mean, that Marriott has the money to have an entire staff doing that. You don't need to do that regardless of how much money you have as a company, but that's a way you can scale such wow moments. And wow, the customer will will definitely remember.
1: That's awesome. Well, Tony, uh, I, I fully expect you to wow me on these next two questions. Uh, <laughs> so the next- uh, I hate
0: expectations. <laughs> yeah,
1: here they are. No pressure. Uh, uh, this is now being recorded. It wasn't the first 30 minutes or however long you've been doing this, but it is now. No, just kidding. Uh, so the first one is what book or person in customer service or customer experience has influenced you the most in the, first, in the past year? And then the second one is if you could leave a note to all customer service professionals, it's going to hit everybody's desk Monday at 8 a.m. What would it say?
0: In my company, what would the note say? No, what would
1: you tell the world of every customer service rep?
0: I see, I see. Um, I would say be authentic, not be you, be authentic because you could be not what your hiring manager thought you would be. Maybe during your interview process, you were Somebody completely different wearing a mask that you shouldn't have been wearing, but be you. It will make you keep your job longer. It will, it will show. Uh, a lot of talk is out there of people hiding behind social media. We're on Zoom 24 seven due to COVID. Some people choose to not have the camera on. To me, that's very passive aggressive. Have the camera on, put a shirt on, show up. Very, very easy, uh, but be authentic. That's probably what, it's probably the note I would leave. Probably That's awesome. I o- on,
1: on, on every interview, I never <laughs> wear a shirt and I always wear a physical mask. So I don't know <laughs> how I've got the last couple of jobs, but uh, <laughs> they just thought I was Nacho Libre or something. I don't know. <laughs> so so what book or person and customer service or customer experience has mm-hmm. influenced you the most in the last year?
0: Um, it's influenced me every year I read it even though it's slightly becoming out of date, but it needs to be a staple to any any customer experience person. Um, And it's it's Seth Godin's Purple Cow, Transforming Your Business by Being Remarkable. It's a very thin book, so don't feel that you're going to get bogged down. Um, It really is speaking towards marketing and customer experience as one. And have you read it?
1: I have, I have.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's very clear in terms of labeling for the in the positive sense where a client a potential client is and I, I forget the whole order but i know you really want what seth godin calls a uh, a sneezer you want somebody that speaks so much and so highly about you and so naturally that you're getting business because of it at 0 dollars zero expense what is the um Customer lifetime value, the CLV, customer, and, and that's a that's a customer experience statistic. You know, yeah. over the lifetime of the of the client of the customer, what are you actually getting from them? Yeah. You have to think about how much it costs for you to acquire them, and if you can get them via a sneezer, as Seth Godin says, um, you you really have won. And speaking further, Seth Godin, he has a daily, a daily, every day, 365 days a year. Uh, uh, blog entry. Sometimes it's a sentence. Sometimes it's three or four paragraphs. I get it every morning, and um, it really crafts what I say in my weekly roundups on Fridays that I write for my own employer. And I, I really go across all departments asking what's up, um, talking about roadblocks, talking about successes, talking about what's happening next week, uh, goals, the statistics as well. But writing that weekly roundup. Um, is really crafted by, by his daily messages, uh, I get from Seth Godin. So I highly recommend any and all to sign up for his daily free email. I
1: love it. Yeah. Seth Godin, he's a legend. Uh, yeah. so I would, I would recommend that. Uh, so what's the best way if my listeners are like, this dude's awesome. I need to connect with <laughs> him. How, how are they going to go about doing that?
0: First off look in the mirror because that person's probably, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not a motivational speaker. Um, <laughs> Well, uh, I I have a number of blog entries myself on LinkedIn. I think LinkedIn is, is the best and easiest to get in touch with me, shoot me a message. I get them all the time. My personal phone number is on there. My email is on there. Uh, you can email me at my current job as well, Tony at com. But LinkedIn is probably the best. Um, you can find me. In my other hobby of recording jazz music, I sing jazz, so I'm on Spotify if you if you need some background music while you talk to customers. Uh, but LinkedIn's probably the easiest. Tony Amante Shepherds.
1: It's awesome. Find Tony on wherever jazz music is played and don't <laughs> you, you will not find me wherever jazz music is played. Not, <laughs> not because I don't like jazz music. I just am not, that is not my talent, but uh, I'm glad somebody's out there that does it. Um, hey, the Tony, musicians
0: need listeners too.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear that. Uh, so, Tony, thanks, man. I appreciate your time and looking forward to staying in touch. Nick, this was really fun. I
0: appreciate your time.
1: Hey, listeners, can you think of one person who would benefit from the information you learned today? If so, please consider sharing it with them by giving them a link of this episode or directly from your app. And last, if you'd like to receive all the quotes and book recommendations from all my guests, go to pressonefornick.com forward slash podcasts.
0: Thanks for joining us for this session of M Radio.